Um, you're welcome to use the bulletins as your paper, the pencils in front of you in the pews for taking notes. We're going to have a very simple message today with a lot of scripture, but three simple points. But allow me to set this up first, just a little bit for you. You see, here in just a few days, we'll be celebrating a new year. And with a new year, you have many different new opportunities. A new year presents many choices, many twists and turns and directions that you may go. But we must be careful as we look forward to the new year. As we also look backward to, to the year before. As we took, look to the here and now. And we look to what resolutions are you wanting to make. You see, we all look to the new year. And whether you recognize it or not, I think we're always thinking about what changes can we make to our life. And maybe, just maybe, you also think about what changes can you recommend to other people's lives. Only if asked, of course. What changes will you make to your life? What changes might other people need to make in their life? There's always some change or some, something that we should be evaluating in our life. Just like a sports team, after every game, is thinking about how they might have improved upon that game and how they might prevent the problems which they'll run into in future games. The time is now to evaluate your performance in the previous year and think, what are you going to change for next year? What are you going to listen to from other people, though, as well? Because, you see, perspectives are just that. They're perspectives. They're opinions. And everybody will want to give you different opinions. Is your opinion the right opinion or the wrong opinion, the right perspective or the false perspective? So let me give you an example. You see, for instance, some people might critique my sermons. And they might think, you know, I'd be more satisfied, I'd be a happier man if if his sermons were only 12 to 16 minutes long. I'd be happier if they were just 15 minutes. That's the sweet spot. And some of you might agree with that. <laughs> but others of you, you might recognize that's just a perspective. That's just one man's opinion. Because you see, other people might like the average 35-minute sermon. Others in you might actually think that a 45-minute to, to one-hour sermon would be great. Well, we go deep into God's word and we go verse by verse, we, we decipher God's word and apply it or evaluate the Greek and the Hebrew. Now I'm not saying, seeing many hands raising, but one of you, you might be afraid to raise your hand to say that's what you want. You see, I did a little study and I looked into America to see what is the average sermon length. And believe it or not, and I might get myself in trouble for recognizing this, the average sermon is 22 to 26 minutes, followed very, very, very closely by 55 to 60 minutes. Isn't that crazy, the, the, the space in between those? And then third place was 35 to 45 minutes. So I'm just taking the middle ground there. Um, but let me, let me just continue on. You see, this is one example to help illustrate that people have different opinions. Some people like a 15-minute sermon. Some people like a 45-minute sermon. Some people love listening to John MacArthur, who might preach for an hour or more, and we know who those people are. I like listening to John MacArthur. He's a great preacher. I like listening to many different preachers. I like listening to those preachers who only preach for a five-minute clip on the radio, too. They all have their advantages and disadvantages. Not one way is right, 
not one way is wrong. It's just a perspective, an opinion, a preference that some people like. But you see, there is one perspective. There's one guaranteed thing that will not lead to happiness. And that is rooting for the Vikings. No, I'm joking. I had to see if you're awake. No, it's rooting for the 49ers today. No, there's one way to be guaranteed to a life without happiness. No one can be satisfied without knowing and having Christ in their life. No one can have happiness without having Christ in their life. So we're talking today about Happy New Year. I just thought we're going to be talking about it this week. Everybody's going to be wishing you a Happy New Year. So what does it mean to have a Happy New Year? And first of all, you need to recognize happiness comes through Christ. Now, all phases of Christ's life are a source of joy for the Christian. Number one, in his birth, the promised Messiah came. Number two, in his life, he healed and helped all. Number three, in his death, he paid for all man's sins. Number four, in his resurrection, he overcame death. And number five, in his ascension, he promised to return for his people. In all phases of Christ's life, we see this great source of joy for the Christian. To be happy, then, is very simple. Have Christ and have happiness. Now, some of you might want to argue with that because they know happiness can be dwindling at times. It can be burdened at times. There's things which might take away your happiness or might hide your happiness from you or might suppress your happiness. But I still think if you come right down to it, to be happy is very simple. Have Christ and have happiness. You see, in, in all circumstances, we may find happiness through him and him alone. We can look to the life of Paul, who tells us in Philippians that he has learned the way to be content in all circumstances. Through Christ and Christ alone, he found his strength. Through Christ and Christ alone, he found the way to be content through all things, the way to rejoice, the way to find his joy. And nothing can take away that joy because ultimately that joy is a gift from God. Happiness however, can be suppressed. But I do still believe that it's always there if you recognize that Christ is the one that will bring it back to you. So this year, this week, as we're going to hear everybody saying Happy New Year, I thought we'd look to three points, three main points of happiness that you must find happiness in. First, let me read this to you from 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Again, if you're taking notes, write down 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, where it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Already starting out, we have a great, great recipe for joy right there. We must rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. But, as you're listening to everybody saying Happy New Year, and you're thinking about, what do I need to find happiness in? We're going to start with this. Number one, happiness through fellowship. We must have happiness through fellowship. There's no happiness without fellowship. You see, even from the beginning, God recognized that we needed to have a companion. Now, first, that begins with a relationship with God. We're created not to be alone by ourselves, but we're created to have an open, restored relationship with God. 
But even then, God made us a mate. God made us a friend. God made us to have a family. Now, we may be alone in life. We may not have a wife, or we may not have a husband, or we may feel alone at times because we don't have kids. But we still always have Christ. Christ is the one that puts our life together. Christ is the one who washes and cleanses our lives. I'd like to read 1 John 1.7, which says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Note the power of this fellowship. The power of this fellowship that it cleanses us from all sin. This is the most important fellowship to have. We need fellowship with Christ. It's a restored fellowship, a restored relationship which then connects us to God the Father as well and to relationship with the Spirit, to the many gifts such as joy, the many fruits. But let me also say we need fellowship with Christians. And in Psalm 133, verse 1, it says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's good for God's people to have fellowship and to live in unity. But we fight so often with one another over trivial things that ultimately do not matter. We need to make sure we're living in unity in this next year. Don't fight over things that don't matter. Now, there's healthy debates you can have, but let's keep them healthy and let's focus on Christ. Let's focus on that number one fellowship. Be careful who you fellowship with, though. You see, the Bible does warn us of having fellowship with the wrong type of people. It goes on to explain with great detail what to do if we're in a harmful situa situation or relationship which separates you from God. 2 Corinthians 6.17 says, Therefore, go out from their myths and be separate from them, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you. You see, many people, and I've heard this many times, especially from teens, who say, but Jesus hung out with sinners. I can hang out with sinners. I can hang out with whoever I want. It doesn't matter if they're doing drugs, if they're doing alcohol. I can, hang, I can hang out with these guys. It won't affect me. Jesus was Jesus. Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. Forgive me. Jesus is perfect. You are not. Now, Jesus also had a purpose in hanging out with those people. And we are called to go to all people and disciple all people but that doesn't mean that it's healthy for us to be hanging around them all the time. We need to have fellowship with Christ. We need to have fellowship with Christians. But then the third part, the third sub-point of this point one is we need fellowship through the church. And in Psalm 122, verse 1, it says, I was glad when they, when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Psalm 122, verse 1. You see, church attendance is also very important, especially as the coming of Christ draws near. We need the church to bring us strength. You see, we worship together. We study together. We debate together. We pray together. We fight together. We are family, and we live life together. Again, we may fight together at times, but we have this overwhelming relationship with Christ, this unity, this bond of brotherhood that ultimately in the end should bring us together and we should push away all these other little trivial matters and recognize that bonding agent of Christ, which brings hope to all of our lives. We should be glad, as that psalm says, 
Hebrews 10.25 gives us further instruction. As Hebrews 10.25 says, Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We meet together as we look to that day drawing near. We meet together as we look to the day when Christ will come again. We look to the day when we'll be with God forevermore. And we worship him together until that day. But next we have number two. Happiness through fighting. Happiness through fighting. And you see, that might be a little different for you. You might not have expected me to put, with a happy new year, we must find happiness through fighting. But you see, it's inevitable. There will be fighting in the new year. And we must learn to find happiness through the fighting. The Christian always faces a great battle. We must learn to find happiness despite the ever-present fight that's in our lives. Ephesians 6, 12 to 18, I won't read the whole thing to you, but you should recognize it, tells us, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore. You may look up that later and study it more in depth. Ephesians 6, 12 to 18. But the battle is inevitable. Until the end, when Jesus comes, there will be a battle. And we must learn to fight. But we must learn to be happy through the fighting. If we don't fight, we will be defeated. We must go forward and fight against the powers of the devil. So number one is we must fight sin. I'm sorry, A. We'll say A. The first sub-point under happiness through fighting is we must fight sin. Do not allow yourself to fall victim to sin. 1 Timothy 4, 1-3 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. There will be sin in the new year. There will be people trying to lead you astray in the new year. We must grasp on to the firm foundation that we have in Christ. We must grasp on to the truth that we have in of God's word to fight this sin, which brings us to be. We must fight the false doctrine or beliefs to not be led astray. Matthew 24, 10 to 13 says, And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will rise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased. The love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. The world and Satan uses everything they can to try and lead you away from God. I'll give you one fact, something that's been in the news, or at least in, in a, lot of, um, a lot of talk right now, is the week of Christmas, or the week before Christmas, Netflix, which many of you have, or many of you did have, maybe, you canceled it after this, Netflix, that many of you do a Netflix and chill, and you can just sit in front of show after show after show. Netflix was releasing a Jesus-inspired film where they depicted Jesus as being a homosexual. And they made a joke out of Jesus. Now, obviously, this has led to a big uprise out of Christians where they're boycotting Netflix, canceling Netflix, and coming out with a petition for them to remove the show. But it's only one example there's numerous shows and numerous movies which make fun of God. 
which make him a laugh, a laugh for people to enjoy. There's numerous shows which also make a laughing stock out of Satan, out of Lucifer, and make it look like he's some type of joke. But God is real. Jesus is real. And Satan is also real, and we must be able to fight these beliefs and these false doctrines. Because of sin, the love of many people becomes cold and indifferent. It doesn't mean it's impossible to reach them. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't be praying for them. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk to them. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't try and share the gospel with them. We're called to do just that. We're called to be praying for enemies, to be loving our enemies, to be sharing the gospel with our enemies. I think, where would I be today if I didn't have somebody in my life which shared the gospel with me? C, fight temptations. This next year, to find happiness through fighting, we must fight the temptations of life. In 1 Corinthians 10.13, 1 Corinthians 10.13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. Satan will tempt you in every way that he knows to be able to lure you away. He will know exactly what to do to try and tempt you away from God, to separate you from God. Don't let him into your bedrooms. Don't let him into your, your marriage. Don't let him into your families. Don't let him into your relationships. Don't let him into your house. Fight temptations. You can be happy through fighting, but you must focus on Christ. Focus on the strength that he gives you. Focus on the hope that he gives you. Focus on God's word, which gives you a great strength to be able to overpower the lies. It gives you truth to cover the lies. Lastly, fight laziness. Romans 12, 11 says, Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Now, I don't listen to the message translation. I don't read it very often, but... I'd like, to, I'd like to share that with you. I love how they put this. Romans 12, 11 says in the message, Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled in a flame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times, but pray always. Great instructions we have there to fight laziness. To fight laziness. Don't burn out, but instead keep yourselves fueled in a flame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant, expectant, expecting the things that he will bring to you, the deliverance that he'll bring to you, the hope, the strength, the wisdom. Don't quit in hard times, but pray always. We must find a way to be purposed, find a way to be motivated. For a slack, a lazy person often leads to destructive ways. To not be purposed or active is dangerous. To not be purposed or active is dangerous. And lastly, this point brings me to point three. Happiness through following. Happiness through following. This new year, to truly be happy, we must be following God's call. Matthew 4.19 says, And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You see, from the beginning of creation, I told you, we were created with a purpose. And that purpose was to be following after God following after his will, following after relationship with him, listening to him, talking with him, abiding in him. 
If we follow God, he will make us what he wants us to be. We must listen to that. What does he want us to be? This next year, you'll have many people trying to tell you what they want you to be or what they think we should be. But we must listen first to what does God want us to be. So B is follow God's commands. And Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven says, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This new year is about love. Loving God and loving others. These are the greatest two commandments that you should be following this coming year. But then C is like it, we follow God's commission. John 15, 16 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. God has chose to love you. God has chose to save you. And he wants to use you in the coming year. We must have happiness as you follow your commission. Have happiness as you follow God's character. That's the next one. E, follow God's character. As 1 Peter 1.16 says, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Be holy like God. We should be trying, we should be striving to live righteous lives as God, as Christ. We should be striving to live according to his ways, not our own ways, to become more like him, who is ultimately who he wants us to be. It's no secret, God wants us to be more like him. That's what the new year should bring. With every passing year, we should become more like Christ. Live a righteous life by following his ways for living. Listen to the truth of his word and not the trusted truths or lies of Satan in the world. Obey his commands. And listen closely. Happiness comes with salvation. But we must be able to maintain this happiness. So how do we maintain this happiness? One, read the Bible daily. Now I know these are a repeat. I know you hear these every year, week after week. But it's because we need this reminder because, like I said earlier, we are always in a fight. Everything is trying to steal our time and keep us away from these things. But we must read the Bible daily. We must be in his word. We must be taking time to pray daily. We must be always thinking the best of all people. Always looking on the good side of life. And accept everything that comes into your life as a gift from God. Now I've got a little sub point under those last two though. You see, everything that comes into our life, accepting it as a gift from God, we must also evaluate it by God's word. Evaluate it by God's word to make sure it's not a deceitful one. Satan or the world trying to lead us away from the gift that God has for you. Keep these three points close to you this new year. Keep them close. And before we get to my closing thought, I want to address that, clo- that opening scripture I told you to open to. 1 Corinthians 16.9 says this, For a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. All of us have a wide door open before us. What are we going to do with that open door in our lives? What are you going to do with the open door to God? The relationship which you can have with him. What are you going to do with that open door that you have to your neighbors, to your friends, 
to your co-workers, we have an open door to be able to preach the gospel, to be able to disciple people, to be able to teach them the ways of God, even when they don't even recognize or realize what they're learning, they're seeing it in you. For a wide door for effective work has been opened to me. And there are many adversaries. There are many things that want to steal your happiness. There are many things that want to suppress your joy. But if you focus on Christ, happiness is simple. It will always be there. Joy is always with you. But you must find your joy through Christ. You will have many opportunities, many choices with this new year, many directions to go with twists and turns. Will you look to Christ and his ways of righteous living to find your happiness? Will you find happiness in these three ways? Happiness through fellowship. Happiness through God. Happiness through your calling. Happiness through fighting. Happiness through fighting. I'd like to close with this thought. One final thought before you leave, and this was a new one to me. Believe it or not, maybe some of you have learned this. This week I was talking to a total stranger on the phone. And he told me, I like to live by the joy principle. Have you ever heard of the joy principle? J-O-Y. Go ahead and raise your hand. How many of you know the joy principle? Now, of course, like any guy, I said, you know, yeah, I know the joy principle. Well, let me tell you about it. Joy. Jesus others yourself it's very simple keeping jesus forefront in your thoughts jesus first then others and then finally yourselves chuck swindoll calls this says that god has a recipe for joy and he references philippians 4 4 to 7 which says rejoice in the lord always i will say it again rejoice let your righteousness i'm sorry let your graciousness be known to everyone the lord is near don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He also shares 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18, where he says, Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He applies this scripture to this joy principle. As we look to this new year to find happiness, we can also apply joy to our lives as we see put Jesus first, others second, then yourself. But he says the recipe for joy is rejoicing always, praying always, and giving thanks always. But we don't just pray for ourselves, we pray for others. We don't just give thanks for the physical needs we get from God. But we give thanks for the relationships. We give thanks for the life. We give thanks for the redemption. We give, we, we give thanks for everything. We rejoice over everything. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. Have joy. Find Jesus first. Rejoice in him first. Pray, give thanks. Jesus, others, yourself. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this week. We thank you for this ability which we have to worship together. We thank you for this time we're about to have in fellowship where we can just talk about life. And I do, and I do challenge the people before me and myself to not just have shallow relationship with our brothers, but let's pour into one another's lives. As your word tells us, let's encourage one another. Let's lift one another up. 
But let's also challenge one another. Let's not be afraid to ask a friend, ask a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ, ask a family member, what's one thing do you think I could change or I could get better at this next year that would glorify God more with my life? What can we do that would glorify you more? Lord, we are created to glorify you. May we look to that in the coming year. May we find happiness through our fellowship with you, with, with other Christians, with the church. May we find happiness through the fighting with your strength, your wisdom, your comfort. And may we find happiness through the calling which you give us. Amen. Let's stand and let's close with, Lord, I need you. Lord, I come. I confess, bowing here, I find my rest, and without you, I fall apart, you're the one that guides my heart, Lord, I
just a reminder for the next um, hour, we do have just a fellowship time in.